Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, I'm James Ross, but you might know me better as Bertrand McGuffingham from the Rusty Quill Gaming Podcast. In real life, I run a multi-award winning comedy night called Quantum Leopard that's a lovely fun time for everybody. No punching down, no picking on the audience, gender balance booking, pay what you like to keep it accessible even in times of Tory, uh, right in the middle of Zone 1 and Central London and on a Saturday night. We've had loads of Rusty Quill listeners in over the years and as an audience, you are a bloody delight. So why not pop in? All the cool kids are doing it, fit in a bit popular, but you know, in a way that isn't terrible. Did I mention it's pay what you like? It's pay what you like. Uh, so double your money back if you don't like it. Tickets via the mailing list. Sign up at facebook.com forward slash quantum leopard comedy or follow me on Twitter at James Ross Comedy. See you there. Do say hello. Space 
<laughs> Game. That is a big part of it. And I feel like that kind of sums it up, really. Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. Hello, friends and fans, and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I am your host, Helen Gould, one of the best Rusty Quillers, and today we're talking about the Mass Effect video games, and I am simply overjoyed to be joined by James, Michelle and Mike. We are, as always, going to introduce ourselves alphabetically. So, James, what are your pronouns and what do you do? Hi, I'm James Ross. My pronouns are he, him. Listeners to this podcast will probably know me best from uh, being in Rusty Quill Gaming, um, where I was uh, in the top five of six cast members (laughs) (laughs) for some time. Um, And uh, in the real world, um, I am mostly a uh, comedian and uh, comedy promoter, um, and I run the uh, multi-award winning uh, Quantum Leopard uh, in uh, London, which is a pay your light, no punching down, uh, comedy night. Um, and we've just won best live comedy format, which is an exciting national award. Ooh, go us. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah, woo, go you indeed. Very, very big congratulations. Well done. Next up, Michelle, what are your pronouns and what do you do? Uh, hello, my name's Michelle Snow. I'm one of those she, her people. And I <laughs> edit things, audio things for Rusty Quill. And I also run a news outlet for trans people out of my bedroom with some friends of mine called What the Trans, which uh, is a thing you could listen to. But you should probably listen to this first. Like, don't stop listening now and go look that up. Do that later. That is extremely considerate of you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) How many episodes of What the Trans are there now? We just put out the 72nd over four years because we're not very good at keeping a schedule. But you know what? That's not too intimidating of a backlog, at least. Oh, it absolutely is, because sometimes episodes can be two hours long. Like, it's a lot, but people do it. People are going through the backlog. And I know because Spotify is weird and doesn't show all the episodes for reasons I don't understand. And I get emails about every three days saying, where's the rest of them? I'm going through them sequentially. And I'm like, why? All of that stuff is so out of date now. But people do. People do try (laughs) to listen to it from the start, which is awesome. But also, I don't know, it wasn't what I was expecting. Because it's a news thing. News becomes old really quickly. So why would they want to hear about the terrible things were happening two years ago when they could hear about the terrible things happening now. I don't know, Michelle. I think you really get the best out of a long-running podcast experience by listening to it right at the beginning and then stopping about 77 episodes in. So (laughs) (laughs) That is a rusty cool gaming joke. (laughs) And finally, Mike, what are your pronouns and what do you do? Hello, everyone. Uh, My name is Mike LeBeau, and I am the head of video for Rusty Quill. I'm responsible for all of our video outlets. I currently run a show called NPC, New Player Challenges, which you may have seen on our brand new YouTube channel from Rusty Quill. I'm a streamer and voice actor. I played Tim in the Magnus Archives. I'm currently playing uh, Paul and Richter Collins in The Town Whispers, uh, and possibly some other things to come as well, because I've had a few casting calls recently and a couple of callbacks. So good things to come. You might hear more of my voice in and around the digital universe. Wonderful. Okay. So, you know what? Full disclosure, I am recording this right after I have finished streaming some Mass Effect 1. So, I am very much in the mood for this, for talking about this odd, expansive, and much beloved 
game about aliens and war and uh as my friend jamie put it baby's first politics um, <laughs> that's really good <laughs> however it's very much at the level of oh slavery is bad but maybe maybe the army can also be bad <laughs> Um. <laughs> See, it, it does have the moral choice thing of like Paragon versus Renegade rather than just like good versus evil, which is a very slight development. But like, what I'd really like to see at some point, and if there are any games devs listening, then just just go for this. Here's an idea for you: just dispense, like, just just you know, cut the nonsense with the moral choice system, and just have the options called left wing and right wing. You know, it's a bit easier, <laughs> isn't it? Right. So. How would all of you describe Mass Effect to someone who hadn't played it, assuming that someone is listening who doesn't know about the games? Space. (laughs) (laughs) Game. That is a big part of it. I feel like that kind of sums it up, really. I mean, he's not wrong. (laughs) Space dot 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 exclamation mark question mark yes <laughs> excellent i like i like that that's succinct and to the point well, listen i i was gonna call it a space opera but it, there's an argument to be made that it's not necessarily a space opera because it, it covers a lot of different ground yeah I've, I've i've got a point about that right so i, I mean so firstly like it is it is a grand epic spanning several games with threads that interlink them and you know it is a, a masterful bit of storytelling particularly branching storytelling which is unbelievably complicated and it does that really well and the writing is uh surprisingly adequate for a video game uh which is like it's genuinely surprising to have something that where you're not like yanked out of the narrative immersion by going like that is a very bad sentence that's a really horrifically written sentence why have they done that um <laughs> every every uh, 30 60 seconds but like um so i would say uh, you know in terms of uh you know the the quadrilogy that you know what you basically have is uh, you, you start off with a space opera which is potentially a grim dark space opera depending on how you play it uh, and that leads into like a sci-fi setting what is essentially a heist movie uh followed by a war film uh followed by a crushing disappointment um <laughs> that's that's how i broadly structure it but like if you know i i'm reminded when when um uh, i started playing mass effect um uh, people were like uh like oh you know because this is um i'm a fears behind the technology curve because um harbor is expensive and i've got other things i need to spend money on and uh, so when somebody found out i was playing the mass effect series there were several people did like oh you're starting it reminded me of um somebody uh who told me they were once um they were on a train and they were starting to read war and peace and then um, <gasps> you know sort of an old gentleman walked up to them and said ah you're beginning the journey (laughs) (laughs) michelle though um how would you describe mass effect to someone who had no idea what it was they would have to understand like the story of cassandra but it's basically the cassandra myth in space Mm, interesting all the way through your shepherd is just like oh no it's all horrible and something terrible's coming and people are like whatever and then the end is just like the third game should have been just Shepard going, I was right for 30 hours straight. <laughs> yeah, it's in the I told you so DLC. Yes. Yes. yes that is. That... 
Man, yeah. I mean, the ending of the third one fundamentally should have just been <laughs> like Shepard stood there, arms folded. Like that uh, Easter egg from Jeff Goldblum in the Jurassic Park game, where if you complete all of the objectives that are set for you in the game and do all the extra stuff, you just get Jeff Goldblum going, well done. <laughs> Now go outside, and that's, <laughs> and that's the Easter egg. <laughs> I'd love to have like a sort of a custom character designer thing, and it's just for Shepard's hand, and you get to like customize it, like you know, uh, the rings, the nail varnish, nail length, knuckles, proportions, blah blah blah. And it's just for right at the end of Mass Effect Three, where he stroke she can just go mm, flick the V's at you yeah. all the way through. Can can I just say now that the only correct way to play Mass Effect is with a female character? I agree. I 100% I'm agree with that. I'm of that opinion as well. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. I've been told that the voice acting is a lot better with yeah. female Shepard Yeah, as well. no, that's, that is very true, yeah. Because when you play as the male Commander Shepard, it basically is just Metal Gear Solid in space. Like, you've got some some bloke who's just got a very deep, lacy voice who's like, mm, yeah, let's action. Whereas you're right, there, there seems to be a lot more, there does seem to be a lot more character depth with female Shepard. That is true. And it sort of accidentally becomes the most like feminist video game of its time by mistake mm. because they didn't put any effort into like mm. making the character, the female character, like have female specific responses from other NPCs. It happens, but not that often. No. The model, the walking and animations and everything is the same. So what could, it was a lazy choice of them to do that, but what that means is that the character is basically just like everyone else and the future is portrayed as far more feminist utopia than you would expect for a game made between 2000, for a series made between 2007 and 2012, which were not the most, looking back now, there was a lot of weird clangers going around intellectually around that time when it comes to gender politics. I I like I absolutely agree with what Michelle's saying there. Um, like I mean, I I started off playing. Um, I've only really been playing it as um femme Shep. I've never really bothered with a male Shep uh, run, partly because like it just I think it really changes how you view the story. So when I first yeah. started um playing Mass Effect One, um, I played it as uh, uh Shep and I um customized the model um and um just on a whim just because like the preset looked a bit more interesting. Um, I played it as a black female um, shepherd all the way through. Um, and it really, cha- like playing it as that character really changes um, how you view the dialogue. Because when you've mm. got like the difference between mm. playing like, um, you know, a hyper-masculine, like, you know, super aggro, like Marine type uh, action hero and playing it as a black woman going through it, um, particularly Mass Effect 1, when you're talking about like themes like, um, you know, slavery, collaboration struggle all of this sort of stuff like that it's a very different script right if you're talking about like resisting slavery and you're a black woman that that rings very differently than if you are somebody who's got like you know this um you know a a knee for a jaw um you know some (laughs) linebacker right like if you've got that and you've got that character and he's talking about slavery it's like well okay well where's your maga cap are you complaining about like you know the face nappy that you've got to wear like is it about political correctness gone mad is it the lip is it the fact that you can't say anything anymore is that the kind of slavery that you know that um uh Saren is going to inflict on the galaxy right like it, it just it rings very very differently and it plays very differently and i think it, it's it's a much more interesting game if you play it that way with that character i'm really i was really struck actually michelle by your your comparison of like shepherd as cassandra because that really is and and the the idea of shepherd as being cursed as well cursed with like <laughs> horrific knowledge and like the whole universe yeah. oh, the right. whole 
is is like Troy and um spoilers and the reapers are like the Greek soldiers and like their Trojan horse in the first one is uh Saren. It's sovereign. Yeah, I think that was intentional of them. I mean, if you really look at yeah. all the parts that make up the Mass Effect universe, they stole a lot of things. Like the Geth. Oh, yeah. Kind, it's kind yeah. of Battlestar Galactica, what the Geth is about. Like that whole story, up to a point. Ooh, yes. Okay, so um, the Geth are a, a, a robot species that were created by another alien species called the Quarians and the Geth started to become self-aware and this freaked the Quarians out so much that they waged war on the Geth. They outlawed and, them um, totally. Yeah. yeah, but um, the Geth are actually quite good at fighting and sort of As won. it turns out. <laughs> and they were an oppressed people too. That's the part that you don't really find out about until like two games in. The Geth are, yeah. were an oppressed people that were attacked yeah. and they defended themselves. Yeah, it really, because I'm playing Mass Effect 1 through at the moment and I'm just completely indiscriminately mowing down every Geth I see. <laughs> it really just, <laughs> it really just literally makes you think. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I mean, you find out in Mass Effect 2, I mean, again, spoilers, but I mean, like, spoilers, um, you know, that they are, uh, you know, sort of a, a distant faction within who've been manipulated by the Reapers. And also yeah. that you've you've also got, um, there's a sense in which, like, although you're mowing down individual drones, um, you know, because their consciousness is collective, it's quote unquote not really killing. Um, mm. So, I mean, a whole thing about this is like, okay, do you see the Geths, mm. uh, do, do you see the Geth as being, uh, you know, analogs for people? Are, are they, you know, which, you know, obviously, you know, we're mammals. We think that everything is people. Uh, we anthropomorphize everything. You know, if you've watched that video of a little girl feeding rubbish to a rumba, like, you know, we'll, Aww. we'll, bo- it's, it's adorable. But like, I mean, that's going to, that's going to destroy our species, right? Because we'll create the seeds of our own destruction. Go like, oh, this, this hunter killer drone that's entirely autonomous. Oh, it's adorable. It's got googly eyes yeah, on it. I love like it. That's the one thing about our species I like. <laughs> 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 um, we could yeah, occasionally be nice to things that, that's like our best quality but i mean i suppose in terms of that it's like well i mean do you view the geth as being an oppressed species um which you're obviously invited to do by the game or do you uh view them as being a a tool a program like you know do is is artificial intelligence you know life that is worthy of protection which is you know a grand sci-fi theme that will become relevant yeah. at some point um as a sort of a live human political concern i mean yeah i absolutely do view i'm absolutely of the belief that ai can develop enough to become a people and so i have a lot of sympathy for the geth and yeah let's let's talk about legion a bit so um yes i think this is this is where i was hoping to step in because legion's storyline is actually one of my favorites in the entire mass effect trilogy go for it Well, I mean, just because, like, Legion has got so much depth as a character, because like you said, in Mass Effect 1, you're introduced to this enemy, quote-unquote, called the Geth, and Mm. it's your job to destroy as many as you can so you can uncover the mystery, work out what's really going on, and who the Reapers are eventually, spoilers, question mark, and then, you know, you've you've got... There's a lot... There's not really that much development in Mass Effect 1. Then, as we've said, you hit Mass Effect 2, and you're suddenly introduced to this character who's part of the enemy. You learn a lot more about the 
Quarians and what actually happened during the Quarian Geth War, you learn the turning point, which for me, as kind of similar to James's and Michelle's points, sort of pokes a little bit into the Uncanny Valley, fearing AI, creating something that is superior to humanity or, you know, another species and then turning on it as a way of being able to cope with that. And obviously you have many 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 other themes there as well but that like i say you're introduced to legion who brings all of that story home by talking about the uh, the collective consciousness by having the interactions between tali and legion like mm. they are some of my favorite interactions and i would regularly choose tali and legion as my two squad mates in a lot of the stuff that i did because i yeah. loved listening to the conversations that they would have given that it's sort of like they're, they're on two totally different sides of opposing opposing forces is the word i'm going to choose but really mm. it's just they're worlds apart in a war that started over fundamentally a big misunderstanding boiling it all down to one core element in my opinion and legion as i say you start to develop or i did at least when i was playing through you start to develop feelings for legion like as a as a as an entity no, Helen, no, get your mind out the gutter. Goodness me. We haven't got to space dildos yet in this conversation. Keep it in your pants. We so will get we- there. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. On that, we're going to take a little break and we'll be back in a second. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. 
Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome back. Okay, so we started to touch on this. And now that we've talked about some of the general things, I definitely want to talk about the squad mates. There, there are a lot of them. This may well take the entire rest of the episode, but that's okay. Because you spend a lot of time with these people and they are all wonderful and unique in their own special ways. Helen, I have a question. Oh, yes. Are we going to cover Andromeda or are we just ignoring that that exists? (laughs) (laughs) We... I'm happy to ignore it. My impression, my impression of Andromeda is that it shouldn't really count. (laughs) Yeah, it's sort of, it's sort of a Mass Effect themed game, you know what I mean? But like, whereas the others are like generally, uh, to varying degrees, uh, you know, um, RPG first person shooters with a strong storyline, Mass Effect Andromeda is sort of a vaguely Mass Effect themed puzzle platformer. And yes. you know, just because it looks a bit like a thing I like. I mean, you know, if my five-year-old son, uh, I love my five-year-old son, he's great. If there was another child that came up to me wearing his skin, I would not love it the same. <laughs> it is a very different experience. <laughs> okay, do you know what? From what I've heard, that sounds like an apt metaphor. <laughs> Man, I've played Andromeda and I'm laughing because you're not wrong. <laughs> I, I like to paint a picture with my words. Uh, it's, you do. It's a Hieronymus Bosch painting, but it's uh, it's there. Why did it have to be so bad? It didn't have mm. to be. So much potential. It didn't have to be. Michelle, I paid seventy nine ninety nine for the early access deluxe <gasps> no. edition. Oh, you never do that. And you never I get got the it deluxe. a week before everyone else with all of the bugs. And I no. played it and I was like, why did I pay for this game? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of these things that you have the right to do as a consumer of culture, right? Is you get to decide where within a series you get to cut it off. You can make your own canon. You can say that Mass Effect yeah. ends at the end of Mass Effect 3 or maybe even Mass Effect 2. Like, um, I was yeah. a teenager. I was a massive fan of Red Dwarf. For me, Red Dwarf ends at the end of season six. That's it. None of it, the rest of it happens, and that's fine. And it's better yeah. as a result. Yeah. Like yeah. for me, Community ends after season three. Yeah, for me, Shameless ends after season one because it ended so nicely. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? I don't want to watch the next 25 seasons of this. This ended at a place that was satisfactory <laughs> for me, and I'm going to leave it there. And it was 25. good. 25 is a lot of seasons. I don't think it was that, that literally, yeah. but it was an absurd amount of seasons at the end where it had that thing where they've been through like three whole casts. Wow. wow. Except wow. for one guy. And I was just like, well, I've seen the James McAvoy season. He's a beautiful man that I enjoy watching for reasons that are probably quite shitty to him, to be fair. But 
he I like watching him move. And he was done at that point. <laughs> so I was like, well, I've come here and I've got the best part for me. And that's fine. Speaking of people that we like to watch move, Gareth. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, Gareth, is my, Gareth is my shepherds always, always gets with Gareth every time. Same. Okay, uh, again, just because I know how complex this game is. So um, in Mass Effect, you gather up friends along the way. You meet people and you say, do you want to join me on my spaceship? And they will usually say yes. Um, And uh, you start off with a couple of human mates. They're called Caden and Ashley. And then as time goes on, you collect Garrus, Tali, Liara, Rex, and they are all aliens. And then in Mass Effect 2, you get even more. And in Mass Effect 3, you get a couple more there as well. So all of these people that we're about to talk about are non-player characters who spend a lot of hours with you in the game and have their own little unique dialogues and their own little opinions about things. And in the DLC, one of the DLCs in Mass Effect 3 called the Citadel DLC, you can get them all drunk and have a party. And... um, (laughs) uh, I regret not buying that DLC. I really, really do. After me, after you and me talked about it the other week, Helen, yes, I, I yes. genuinely want to go out. I want to get the new, um, the new updated Mass Effect just so I can have all the DLCs. Yeah, honestly, yes, the Citadel DLC is absolutely worth it. Anyway, yes. So my favorite, one of my favorite is Garrus. He is romanceable in Mass Effect Two, and my shepherd always ends up uh, in love with him. And <laughs> Garrus, <laughs> sorry, I. I, I don't know why I did that then at that particular romance point um, when we've discussed several other romances and we will again. I can't do that for, for every single one of them. That's all right. I'll um, fill in the next one, James. All right, don't yeah, worry. Thanks. I've got the next one. Yeah, yeah. you take the next one, Mike. Uh, Michelle, cool. if you could be ready for number three, that'd be great. Uh, okay. <laughs> I feel a bit on the spot now. That's fine. That's okay. Don't worry. But yes, Garrus is a is a ex-cop turned vigilante who turns out to be a bit of a dork and loves to look at weapons calibrate things oh sorry yeah look at weapons yeah sorry yeah. that's what i was gonna say too look at weapons yeah 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 he does calibrate a lot of things <laughs> specifically that one thing in mass effect 2 for about 40 percent of the game yeah <laughs> it's like maybe it's like the it's the the far future equivalent of a fidget spinner and that's just what he's doing for like the whole thing like it's it's, it's, it's compulsive <laughs> Like, it's actually an issue. Like, this is, it, it's an issue of, and I, I mean, Garrus, in many ways, is a better character for knowing that he represents a degree of neurodivergent representation, right? Because he's just filling with this one little thing for the whole thing. Maybe oh that's my what God. it is. I would love that. That's going to be my new canon now. Every time he turns back around after saying, oh, could it wait? I've got to do these calibrations. He just turns around and plays with a fidget spinner for the next, like, four hours. Yeah, so Garrus has ADHD. I'm pretty sure that Liara is autistic. I think you can certainly put that interpretation on on her behaviour. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not th- autistic, so I'm not sure if it's my place to do that. But when I was playing the character, I was well playing with the character. I should say, I was just like, oh, okay. I know people like Liara, and they happen to be autistic. This this makes sense. Interesting. Do you want to tell us a bit more about Liara, Michelle? Oh well, for people that don't know, Liara is an Asari, which, and I'm going to explain this, and people are going to think this is a di- a very very different kind of game that we'd be talking about. They are an all female race that reproduce via brain sex things i don't understand and they don't really go into as much detail as you would think on that point of how that works they live for like a thousand years and they're very advanced and very very cool and liara is basically Mm. an archaeology nerd turned like crime 
boss slash information yeah. broker. Private spy, like private intelligence agency. Yeah. She deals in information, kind of like a Game of Thrones character, only she's got computers and stuff. Yeah. And eventually she becomes like, I don't know, like hacker crime god by the third game. Yeah, <laughs> she's very cool. Called the shadow broker in the game, but that's basically what it is. Just someone who sits in the sky and knows what's going on everywhere and moves mm. chess pieces around. But she starts off as someone who is just a bit socially awkward and strange. And in the first game, you can find her at like multiple parts. So you can you have like three planets you can go to, and she's on one of them. So you can find her in your own time. But if you leave her to last, when you find her, she's been trapped in this cave for weeks. Oh my god! And she doesn't believe that you're real. She believes that you are a hallucination, and that only happens if you choose to go and meet her last out of the three choices. That's so interesting. interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea. I didn't know that I mean, until is, like a playthrough yeah. maybe three years ago. I did, and I was just like, Jesus, this game is the gift that keeps on giving. With little things like that. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. How about you, James? Who's your favourite? Oh, wait, Michelle, is Liara one of your favourites or do you have another favourite? I love Garrus. I do quite like Liara. Mm -hmm. I think my absolute favourite, though, has got to be, I I guess, kind of Thane. Thane Krios. (gasps) Yeah, I was waiting for the Thane. Yeah, 100%. Because he's the other person my character has relations with most of the time. Because starts off gunning for Garrus, not getting on the first game. Then falls for Thane. But spoiler alert, he dies, and then she falls into the arms of Garrus. That's my shepherd's romantic journey. <laughs> I'm always so tempted by Thane. Yeah, because you, you can't help but love him. He's got a good heart, and he does talk terrible things, but he means well, and you kind of feel sorry for him, and you get into that weird space where it's like, is this pity, or is this because because he's hot? Like, you know what I mean? But you could fix him. Yeah, oh my god, that's it. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> Do you know what? I genuinely, I genuinely hope that Thane Krios was actually like the template that they used for Cabropulous Michael in Rick and Morty. <laughs> I, 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 whenever I see that character, I, re- I just really hope that they're Mass Effect fans as well. And that was the foundation that they used for that character. <laughs> the other cool thing about Thane is that he has perfect recall. And so mm. if he if he he can like experience a memory like it's in real time and uh, it's like like a, an actual like flashback for him. Which is a horrible way to live. Imagine if you remembered everything. You would lose it, right? You would lose it yeah. if you could remember yeah. absolutely everything. I wouldn't. Every single one of my actions has been purposeful and morally valid throughout my entire <laughs> life. I don't know about you amoral losers, uh, but... I, I look back on every single thing. If I could do that, I'd just be glowing with pride the whole time. That's how you could tell that I was doing it right then. <laughs> no, you're right. It'd be horrific. Particularly <laughs> if you're an assassin. Like, I just... Yeah. yeah. That is pretty bad. I would, I would argue that is one of the worst things you could have. Thane is a very sad... Yeah. He's, he's a very sad frog man. But I mean, like, I, I, thought, I thought that the, the backstory with um, his species and the Hanar was, a, a, again, a really nice bit of um, world building because it's like, you know, what, what do... Um, societies, what do civilizations do under particular material pressures? What then mm. becomes right and reasonable and like a good thing to do for you collectively and also for you know, for specifically your children, right? And you know, it, 
the position that his species is in is like that is the least worst option given the material circumstances, which I think is um, you know a very nice way of of, uh, of, of framing. I that. like how you're mm. giving very very in depth and intelligent answers, and mine are basically I like to bang this alien. Game. Right, well, if you want to know, if you want to know who I would bang, right? Um, I think the if we, if, we, if if that's if that's where we're going, Michelle, <laughs> it's um, where I'm taking then, us clearly. Well, if then strap in. Um, you know who I'd like to. I would strap in. <laughs> to, so, like, I would like to take us to. <laughs> to yes, yeah, so let's 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 go to Bangtown, shall we? <laughs> Discursively. <laughs> but so I mean, for me, obviously, like obviously, uh, obviously, for me, it has to be Miranda because you know a uh, a high uh, cheekboned, dark haired, uh, omnicompetent Australian is not just my type, but my wife. Uh, so that makes it quite an easy choice for me. But obviously, I've played as Femme Shep and uh, I, I, she's only she's not a, a, a romanceable option, certainly in the first two, if you're playing a female Shepherd character. But yeah, I just I think that she's it's quite interesting as somebody who is uh, significantly um, overeducated. Uh, I find she's quite uh, identifiable from that point of view. But uh, yeah, I mean, the other character I think is particularly interesting is um, Morden Solus. I have a lot of time for Morden. Mm. Um and uh, you know, I just I like the bit of him doing the uh, the nice the the Gilbert and Sullivan. I think in Master yes. Two, that's a nice little. Yeah. I am the very model of uh... scientist Salarian. Yeah, uh, that's the one. I won't be able to remember the rest of it. I could do it. I could do it. Yeah, uh, but I, 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 again, that's a really, really nice touch. Um, and again, it's a nice way of adjusting. Like, okay, well, you've got this species that only lives for forty years. What do they do? Well, they operate at twice the speed. You know what I mean? If you're going to have a reasonably accomplished species, um, so I think that's really interesting. So um, I, I think Miranda and Morden are probably my uh, favourites there, uh, mm-hmm. and I've got a lot of time for Tally as well because she just yeah. she just seems nice. She's very sweet. Yeah. yeah. Um, she genuinely seems to be like the kindest one um, yeah. of of all of them. <laughs> like everybody else has got, you know, I don't know. I say more of an agenda. They've all got an agenda. That, that's that's good writing. Is that all of your yes. characters have yeah. got an agenda <laughs> and things yeah, they want yeah. to do, and th- and critically things that they won't do, um, and things that will, you know, and how they interact with other motors. And one of the things that mm. the whole series does so well is, you know, you choose option A, therefore that closes off option B. Uh, yeah. You choose option B, that means that option C cannot happen. Things like that, um, which is yeah, really nice. And I, I think that they 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 demonstrate that particularly well with the with the relationships. Like if you've made certain moral choices, there are certain moral rate, uh, relationships that you cannot have right if you mm. if you go down the renegade route you cannot have a romantic interaction with samara you know it just mm. these are you know mm. things that happen within it um and you know I, I think it's it's good because it means that you've got you've got these characters and you've got these characters who are romanceable options but like in the real world if you've done horrible things in front of them some of them aren't <laughs> going to be on board with that um uh, which i think is you know that's it is it is you know the closest i think that um you know video games have come to having well-drawn characters and like a reasonably realistic though obviously stylized model of relationships and you can yeah. have people that you like you know capital r romance and you can have people that you have a capital f fling with and <laughs> nice. this good cover good cover family oh yeah if, if, if you fiddle stick them right up oh yeah right, i'm aware it's a family <laughs> podcast i'm trying to keep it um pg um so um you know but again you've got that sort of you know diversity of relationships and you know again there are characters with who if you romance them you kind of romance others and you know at a certain point some of them will ask you to choose you know and yeah. if you've uh, perceived some options that happened to my character and i wasn't trying for that because i it was the first time i played mass effect one i didn't know that that was possible then out of nowhere liara and um what's his name caden 
came up to me just like, look, you've been messing us around. you got to pick. And I'm like, I didn't know yes. that we were courting. I was just talking to my <laughs> yes. friends. really easy yes. to do with both of them, especially Caden. You have to basically be a complete dick to Caden to get him to not think you're flirting with him. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's hungry. Think, he's thirsty, that Caden. But like, just on that point, just on that point, Michelle, like I genuinely thought that was a really, really nice touch. I can remember when I played Mass Effect 2 for the first time mm. and you had that moment where your save file copies over and you forget who you romanced in the first <laughs> game and suddenly out of nowhere they're like, well, who's this then? You know, arms <laughs> on hips. And you're like, uh, 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 uh no one? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh my God. It was, it was so cool to have a game with the foresight to sort of put that sort of a plot line, uh, plot line in. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So writing. who's your favorite then, Mike? Uh, character wise or characters you want to f- have a fling with? Is there a difference? Either and or both. <laughs> because I one of my favorite characters that I always loved playing with was Tali. Uh, like I I I just had a I had a lot of respect for Tali and I was like, "Hey, mm. by the way, should we just hang out a lot more?" And like when you're chatting and all that kind of stuff, I it kind of gave me the same sort of vibe that I got when I was playing uh, The Outer Worlds, not to be confused with The Outer Wilds. Um because there's the engineer that you meet in The Outer Worlds um whose name eludes me right now, and you just meet this pure soul and you're like, "I'm I'm going to keep you safe by keeping you close to me. <laughs> don't <laughs> don't go off and die somewhere else in the B plot, please. Just stay here with me in the A plot. We'll wear our plot armor together and nothing bad will ever happen to you. Um so yeah, there was there was Tali. I I enjoyed playing I enjoyed playing with uh, like characters like Liara and all that sort of stuff because they because as you've said Michelle, they were really interesting and like their story arc through the three games changes so much. For me, that was actually slightly off-putting that they started as like this sort of socially awkward kind of like, you know, uh, uh, uh archaeologist and then they end up being this crime god who like is constantly in the shadows watching every move that you make for me i i thought that was a little too much i thought they drove that character a little too far maybe that's a hot i can i I can understand that (laughs) i mean that made sense to me because in the second game i mean at the start of it shepherd dies horribly and then it's two years later and shepherd's been brought back from the dead and in that two years it sounds like shit got dark for liara like yeah. some horrible yeah. things happened in between like well one of her best friends died and she's yeah. the only one she's trying to tell everyone about the reapers and people are like no go away you're weird so then she just ends up selling secrets to random wealthy people yeah hmm. yeah fair very fair and actually speaking of um selling secrets that brings me on to my second favorite character which is a little bit of a left field entry and that Ooh. is good old dr chuck was i <gasps> love no, dr chuck was as she is legitimately one of the people who i would always go back to on the normandy even if she had no dialogue yeah. i would just go back to have a little chat with the good old doctor who sits down in medical and has like this sort of pseudo cynical view 
view of the world, but eventually in Mass Effect 2, we'll join you for a drink and you, you know, you cheers over like not being dead. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I've, I have got so much enthusiasm for Dr. Chakwas. And they're one of the characters that I wish the Mass Effect team would have driven further because mm. there's so much for that uh, potential for that character to grow. And whether, you know, whether they go through the romanceable route and they, you know, they have like a fling with the doctor or whether you go through the other route where they become pivotal to the story in some way and actually end up having like a bigger role which is where i was hoping they would go in mass effect 3 but never did like dr chakwas for me sort of represents the underdog of writing <laughs> mm. where you have a character with enormous potential but doesn't actually go anywhere and then nothing ever happens to <laughs> necessarily <laughs> apart from getting a much better job <laughs> so yeah. good for her i really like her as well. she has a she has kind of a sort of a stern judy dench vibe yes Yes, exactly. She's like... I just, I love that. I think she's so cool. She's got, without the sort of raw sexual energy, she's got that Lady Demetrescu <laughs> kind of like atmosphere going on, in my opinion. You know, that that commanding authoritative person who, you know, takes a front seat when they need to and then is happy to sort of play with the team when they need to. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It's, it's, just, it, it's really bad that they didn't have a mission or something where you would take her with you, really. Right. Like she would have been exactly. a very interesting squad mate, I would think. And the Star Trek like parallels that they could have drawn and all of that <laughs> sort of stuff. There was so much there to be written and it just didn't happen. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Dr. Chuck was everyone. Um, Lovely. I'm really glad that you said her. She's great. <laughs> We're starting to come towards the end of the episode. Oh, wow. I... I know. Oh, we haven't got through like half of the characters. We haven't even talked about Ashley Williams at all. <laughs> we haven't talked about any of the Krogan, <laughs> despite oh, yeah. my enduring love for Rex. There's <laughs> <laughs> just too much to cover in like an hour. There just really is. I know. We're going to have to do a part two. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that explains to me, Helen, why you put in the show notes, this show is about Krogan erasure, which I thought was a peculiar <laughs> thing to say in advance. But like... Whatever you want to do with it, your show. The Krogans are great. The Krogans are like a dinosaur alien species that really like to fight. They're also an oppressed species, very much an oppressed class. Yeah. Because um, they, they literally got genocided. And then made to not reproduce anymore by another species who was like, you shouldn't breed. And that was it, really. But, but that was after they were used as a biological weapon against another sort of galactic threat. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of stuff going on. But I mean, like, also as part of the law is that they they have had several, um, you know, nuclear wars before they reach the space, before their, their um, Salarians find them and uplift them. So, yes. Yeah. Um, yes. yeah. So it's... It is interesting. I mean, that's one of the great questions of uh, one of the great sort of moral dilemmas within is uh, within the series is what do you do about the genophage? Um, and there's lots mm. of sort of real world parallels to that in, in like world politics, right? Um, and history. Um, you know, you, you've got a defeated power that is enormously powerful. Do you let them like run rampant again? What do you use them for? Do you let them determine your own destiny, their own destiny? What are the consequences of that? But like, I mean, if you if you take it away from that and you just have sort of the moral dimension, you assess it on your own terms without the analogies that you can put into it historically and politically. Like it's still, you know, that is, I mean, it's one of the things that the whole series, I think, does incredibly well, which is it does what all great sci-fi does, which is, you know, it, it gives, uh, it allows you to explore sort of grand themes of, yeah. you know, of, of morality and consequences um, in something that is a bit more like, a bit more like a sandbox that's got echoes of of the human world of human politics and human interaction from that point of view but it, it doesn't it's not always like that I, I actually 
I think it's really interesting that the point that you make because one of the big comparisons that I made was actually an in-game comparison because in the first Mass Effect you play against a species called the Rachni and there's that whole mission mm. of saving the Rachni mother and the queen and then when you get to the queen she's like man she got real um, I've been stuck here forever like and it's not very good so I'm I'm <laughs> boiling this all the way down um it's it's not very good so you know could you can you give us like a place that we can go and be free and you know actually be able to live rather than being genocided and like that that in comparison to is it mass effect 2 where you have grunt and then you learn more mm. about rex and you learn more about the genophage and you speak to morden solus and all that kind of stuff those two cross comparisons between those two species was always fascinating to me especially when i went back through and played for the second time so when i went back and did my because my first was um a male shep run and then i did a fem shep run yeah. and the second time around like you said earlier james like it it changed a lot of the ways that i saw it but also being able to play the full trilogy through rather than just going one wait two wait three like the yeah like i say the the differences between the rachni and um and you know what rex talks about and what grunt talks about and what the um what the solarians talk about like all all of that stuff is just i don't know it's like the game is almost trying to help you puzzle it out as to what actually is a moral choice and what is a immoral choice it's yeah. like this one doesn't use nukes but this one breeds ultra quickly they're basically like rabbits and they will destroy an entire planet what do you prefer only you can choose here's two <laughs> buttons good luck <laughs> yeah mass effect definitely had a massive impact on my politics in a lot of ways really well it had a big impact on me in a number of ways it was i was playing them all through the five years before i came out as trans which was a really strange time and also mm. massive and also mass effect was a good one to have because it's like oh i could be a woman in this and it's fine and if anybody asks, I can just say, oh, I like looking at her butt or whatever, because, you know, minor misogyny <laughs> as a cover for being in the closet is a classic tradition that is thankfully dying. But yeah, because I never felt good with the idea of genociding the the, the rachni, the bugs. I never felt mm. good. Yeah, I always yeah. let them go and free. I never, yeah. And I didn't feel good to screw over the Krogan and allow the genophage to continue. And yep. then I realized, oh, the reason that isn't good is because those are terrible things to do to a species and a whole people. Maybe we should not, as a political idea, harm lots of people if we can help it. And that was the basis of my mm. politics, which sounds very strange and simplistic, but it's worked for me ever since. And I think before that, I was like a teenager type who was just like oh i'm gonna get all my politics from the west wing <laughs> or something oh. and then I thought, just like, oh it can be simpler and more pure and less up its own butt that's what politics can be all right that's cool and so i got i got a philosophy out of mass effect which is basically don't be horrible to loads of people if you can avoid it honestly that's just i think that's a solid foundation it never developed much further from that that i'm i I'd said this about something else earlier, but I have the political depth of a Blink-182 album as a person. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Fair enough. All right. I'm going to round us off with a final question. And that question is, if you were in the Massive Effect universe, what do you think your role would be? Like, do you think you'd be one of those bartenders? Do you think you'd be a smuggler? Do you think you'd be in one of the gangs? What do you reckon? Because I feel like I would... 
I'd probably work for like the Asari consort, if you remember her. And I would I would just sit there and talk <laughs> nicely to people until they oh, felt that's better. Really nice. Aww, I think that would be Helen. my job. <laughs> what about the rest of you? What do you reckon? I'm going to go first because my answer is probably the bleakest. So, oh. well, yeah, I mean, it's one of these things. It's like, um, you know, when you um, when you talk to people who've, uh, who claim to have regressed through their past lives, they're always like, oh, well, of course, I was in Cleopatra's palace. And I'm like, no, nah, for 95 percent of history, you would have been a peasant farmer who died at the age of 40 ish uh, if you made it past infancy. And it's like so statistically that's it's probably going to be something like that. Right. And like within the Mass Effect universe. And I think, again, one of the things that makes it a bit more interesting is that um, you've not got this sort of post scarcity utopia in any of the games in any meaningful way like even on the citadel there are like you know very conspicuous pockets of poverty and deprivation that you are directly confronted with um you uh, in the the kind of the fluff in the background earth is referenced as being like colossally overpopulated and polluted and all of this sort of stuff right and humanity is not spread out to the colonies enough to kind of relieve that pressure right you you never visit a substantial human colony of, of any particular size so i i suspect that I would probably be doing what I'm currently doing. Um, oh, and this is another thing as well, actually. Sorry, just to <laughs> make it worse. Like, there's no, oh. there's no evidence within, um, within the series of any sort of like countervailing pressure or like resistance movement or progressive movement for social change or anything like that to any significant extent. Um, so, you know, if you're going to extrapolate from that information, you've got capital's tendency to accumulate in the hands of those who already possess it, and power follows that. So, what I probably will be doing is what I'm currently doing now but at a much higher rate of capitalist exploitation <laughs> but maybe i'd have a nicer phone i think <laughs> so that's what i'd be doing michelle how about you probably a similar answer because i fell into journalism by mistake about seven years ago it was never the plan so i think and that and i don't really believe in callings but I, it's pretty damn close for me so i probably think i would i would like to imagine that i would be a journalist but the kind that doesn't get punched by Shepard for being a Bella. <laughs> <laughs> I have never punched one of those journalists. I always try and help them do their jobs. <laughs> I, in one playthrough, I did punch that one journalist for being a racist jerk. Okay. And then it got the renegade points. I was like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's where I would be. I would be one of those people running around the Citadel asking Shepard to do things and hopefully not getting punched. Mike, what about you? What do you think? Helen, I know exactly who I'd be. Oh, yes? I'd be the shopkeeper who just stands there and goes, oh, let's command the shepherd over there. I, can, can you send this voice line into this, into this microphone, please? That would, oh. that would be me. And then I would just play it on a loop every single time someone walked into the shop, <laughs> knowing that every single shop in the entire arcade was playing the same voice line. <laughs> I think it's appropriate that you've chosen one of the few characters within Mass Effect that has got a lot of audiovisual equipment. I think that's a very yeah. solid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, solid exactly. choice. Yeah. That's exactly where I, where my head was at. I was like, man, who who vlogs in Mass Effect? <laughs> <laughs> 
The guy who sells the video games yeah. in the second one. Oh yeah. I thought that was going to be who you were going to pick because that is. I, you can imagine that that if that Solarian is there streaming, <laughs> yeah. you can you can you know that they're streaming somewhere on whatever they yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Just out the back, they've got their streaming rig. It's it's connected directly to Twitch, and like all of the stuff that they do is just like a, a front to be able to sub the money to continue their massive Twitch viewership. That is a beautiful answer to end on. <laughs> Thank you all so 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 much for this. It is so nice. It's so nice to talk about Mass Effect with people who also love it. It's like it's why I'm streaming it. I just I I love this series of games so much. I'm really glad that you all do too. Listener, I will see you on the next episode. But for now, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from all of them. Do you all want to say goodbye? Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Ah, this is my favourite podcast on the Citadel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the ad break ends and we cut to Drag Race to Chanka. (laughs) (laughs) Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike 4.0 International Licence. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner, and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Vroom, Michelle Snow and Catherine Ranella. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello all, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Program. The Program audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people 
inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying, but our present. The programme is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the programme at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for the Programme Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode.